Hi everybody, welcome back to the Progressive Christian Podcast. My name is Eugene Boyens and I am your host. Um, it's good to be- have you back. Um, I've been absent for a while so I must apologize. But uh, my life has been quite full. Um, has been. I've had quite a lot of inspiration um, being able to be creative on several fronts in my life. But things have been busy, not in a bad way. Um, so I've been caught up and unfortunately... Um, it sort of sucked in, sucked up a lot of the oxygen in my life and a lot of the energy. But um, I, I, I have been making notes and thinking about our conversation about uh, the Progressive Christian Podcast. So um, I wanted to do this episode um, that I'm really excited about because, in terms of ideas and principles that could change the world, uh, I really believe that. The subject of this podcast is one of these things that if we adopt this in our popular conversation as sort of you know part of our mainstream vocabulary, the world would be radically changed. And I don't say that lightly, I don't mean that arrogantly, but I, I, I think once we get into it, you'll, you'll understand why I say that. I think it challenges um, the way we talk about so many of the things we struggle to disagree on, whether it's politics or religion, you know, philosophy, whatever it might be, um, it just helps us so much in the rules of engagement. And certainly at a time like this, I know in my own country in South Africa, there's so much controversial going on at the moment that, you know, there are sort of the popular narratives that, that polarize the conversation and just incite emotions and fear and insecurity. And I look at the United States and just the global trend, um, you know, the, the way in which the conversation is being polarized once again. We absolutely desperately need principles that can help us uh, find new ways to talk about these difficult conversations. And I genuinely believe that what we're going to talk about in this episode has drastically life-changing, world-changing possibilities. So I appreciate I've promised a lot. So let me jump right into it and we'll get into it. And I'd love to get your feedback on this. So the subject of this episode is double standards. And, you know, something that is just underneath the conversation we're having, something that we don't really talk about. Um, that isn't isn't framed. We, we don't have a handle on it, but it is. It's assumed, is that we're trying to find a universal set of standards. We want to find absolutes that we can all agree on. And in reality, what actually happens is there are no absolutes that everybody is ever going to agree on. Uh, well, I say ever. You know, maybe it's possible in a couple of hundred years or thousands of years. I don't know depending on what happens to um, artificial intelligence or, you know, a sort of uh, brain interface that we can just connect to each other and we can all, you know, accelerate the way we communicate. Until then, we will have things that we disagree on. And, you know, the term double standards refers to this idea that someone sets a high standard for other people, but they have a low standard for themselves, you know. So it's this thing that if 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 I 
take a break from work. It's because I really need to take a break. I'm tired. But if you take a break from work, well, you're just lazy, you know. And that's the idea with double standards. And we look at that and we go, well, that's hypocritical. Um, but the problem is this. What we don't say is that we think that the opposite of having double standards is having one standard, right? I mean, that that seems intuitive that instead of having two sets of standards, we need to be consistent. We need to be um you know, apply the same set of standards to ourselves and also to other people. And then we want, you know, these HR policies that tells us, look, you can have a half an hour break. But, I mean, if we think about how we engage with other people and how we sort of make judgment uh, calls on ourselves and also on others, the way we tend to do that is we have a set of standards within, within our own minds. So, in my mind, I have certain exposure, I have a certain set of information, I am not all-knowing, um, and I have a certain experience and, and, and philosophy that has developed over time. And that has definitely been shaped by my experience. I can't, how, can, how can my philosophy and my understanding of the world be independent of uh, my own experience? But the problem is, I would have over time, you know, this has been an evolution of principles and 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 standards that I've developed over time and it's still evolving as a, as I apply it to myself but if I take that set of standards that I have in my head which is going to be completely unique I mean no one else will will see the world exactly the way that I do if I then go and apply it to someone else who sees the world differently that's never going to work because they've got a different perspective firstly secondly I have imperfect information about everybody else on the planet. I mean, the person I know the best, other than myself, would be my wife, um, then my son, and then it sort of starts circling out there. And I, even when it comes to family members, there is so much that I don't know about them and how they think and what motivates them and how they see things that for me to make an accurate judgment call about others is actually such a flawed process you with me so when i look at myself i don't even fully understand myself i sometimes look at my own thinking and behavior and think wow i'm weird you know how much more so than about the thinking of others if i look at the behavior then of how other people uh, behave the appropriate thing to have is not one standard but is actually inverted double standards so are you with me? So rather than saying I'm going to set a high standard for other people and a low standard for myself, which we, we no one likes that. We all agree that's a bad thing, right? Um, I think the healthy and appropriate thing we need to do is to set a high standard for ourselves and to set a low standard for other people. So in my expectations of myself, I put the responsibility on me to listen to others, to understand where they're coming from, to serve others, to, you know, if there's a, you know, in terms of marriage, for example, in, in our house, if there's something wrong, I take the responsibility to fix it. Um, not always, but I try my best, you know. And, and in terms of my expectation then of my wife, I set a lower expectation for her than what I set for myself. Because, do you see what I'm saying? Even in such a relationship where, you know, I have the most information of any other per any person I know on the planet. If I were to 
have set the same expectations for her that I have for me, I'm constantly going to be frustrated. I'm constantly going to be disappointed. And this, you know, so just think about this idea then. How is it possible for us to invert these standards, to still have double standards because you need them, and set a low standard for others, low expectation for others, and a high expectation and responsibility on myself? So let me illustrate it this way. I think we all understand that, you know, the Bible talks about um, do unto others as you want to be done unto. And we want others to be gracious with us because sometimes our actions are misunderstood. Uh, sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes, you know, we do something we think is in the best of our, you know, the best intentions. And it comes across as being very selfish or, you know, whatever. And in those times, and these things happen all the time, we want others to be gracious towards us. And that's exactly it is, well, if we want others to be gracious towards us, we should do the same thing. We should be gracious towards them. And the only person that, that we can really, you know, sort of call to account and we should be looking at critically is ourselves. Now, again, in terms of scripture, we have this fantastic metaphor that Jesus gave us speaking about, you know, if you see a speck in your brother's eye, first remove the log in your own eye before you try and help your brother. And it's this idea that I'm constantly asking, something bothers me, if someone does something that bothers me, if I first pause and ask the question, how does the speck reflect the log in my own eye? What is the log in my own eye that that is that is creating an emotional reaction in me? If there's a difficult person, it's not to say that they're not difficult, they probably are difficult, but first just pause for a moment and, and ask the question, what is it in me that needs to change? And if, if we all did this, imagine a world and a society where all of us had this attitude where, you know what, my responsibility is to assess myself, to be critical to myself and to be gracious to others. It's not that I'm, you know, can't speak into the life of my friends or, you know, people that I, that I, that, that I have sort of in their eyes, I have authority and I can speak into, but, um, I have to start with myself. And if we create this world where we apply this principle of, of inverted double standards, I believe it will completely change the ball game. So the onus is on me to listen to other people before I make my own views, you know, heard. And unfortunately, because we don't have this sort of culture where, where we all see the world this way and we understand that each of us has the responsibility to listen to the other, we have a culture where everybody's trying to shout down the other person, where, you know, winning a debate or getting a point across is about uh, speaking louder, being sharper, you know, it, it really becomes a very negative and destructive uh, uh, sort of a spirit that I think conversations operate within, where we're constantly trying to beat the other person. And, you know, uh, um, and I think that it, it's just counterproductive. It doesn't work. We we become completely irrational. Our What we say and how we say it is no longer about being uh, accurate and concise and balanced and nuanced. It's about just, you know, stabbing someone and turning the knife and trying to be sharper than, than the other person. And it doesn't work. It just backfires. Everybody doubles down on their position. So, you know, 
another way to think about this is in all our relationships, whether it's marriage, whether it's friendship, family, we have these sayings where we say, you know, relationships is it's a two way street. And, and I mean, think about the ideal relationship. If you had your best friend or if you're married, think about how challenging it is to find a, another couple where, you know, four people can have, have equal give and take constantly where we're serving one another. Um, we're listening to one another. You sometimes give, you sometimes receive. I mean, that just is is a utopian idea. It's never going to be sustainable. You might find a relationship where for a season there is a pretty balanced give and take. But ultimately things change and ultimately there's someone who gives more and someone who takes more. And is that really the requirement? I think that's why so many people are lonely is because they're looking for these relationships where it's an equal give and take. Where instead we should be saying, do you know what, I'm going to be in some relationships where I'm going to give a lot. And that actually is my responsibility. That's what I want to do is I want to be in relationships where I can serve people. I can listen to them. I can make their voice heard. I can, I can stand with them in solidarity and, and see the world through their eyes and I can empathize with them and I can, you know, be vulnerable with them and, and, and create an environment where they feel safe and this sort of thing. That, that's the thing that I, that is within my hands. I can do that. I can make appointments with people and I can listen to them and I can serve them. But what's much harder is, you know, it's not really in my control to what extent other people will do that for me. I can certainly seek out people like that. But this this is the problem, you see, because most people in the world are walking around looking for other people to serve them. And if everybody does that, then everybody's unhappy. Nobody gets served. Whereas we can be, we can take up the responsibility and say, the thing that I can control is I can be the person who is going to come towards you and I'm going to serve you. And if I get something back, great. If I don't, you know, then also great. So flowing out of this idea of inverted double standards, I have been thinking about this concept of that, that I'm calling angle of approach. So it's sort of your departure point. So if we're talking about any subject, you know, uh, let's say, I mean, in, there's so much in the news at the moment about, uh, uh, you know, sexual abuse of women that men are taking advantage of certain situations or a, a sort of a power differential and they are, they're, they're, you know, there's, there's sexual abuse there. And then there's this conversation about, you know, well, should we just believe these things that come out of nowhere um, that are not substantiated? <laughs> but, you know, I'm very – well, before I jump in and give my own opinion, let me put it this way. The first thing we have to say is, well, what is your what is your angle of approach? What is your departure point on the subject? So if we're talking about uh, women being abused, I am not a woman. That is my point of departure. I'm a man. And as a man, speaking about issues that affect women, because my point of departure is being a man, I should be sensitive and empathetic towards that. Do you see what I'm saying? So if, if a woman gets up and says, oh, no, no, we, you know, we need some evidence here, whatever, it's very different than when a man gets up and says, no, we need, this needs to be proved. And, and and to me, it comes back to double standards. We should have these inverted double standards. 
where there is a greater responsibility on men who have the power to abuse women, right? And there should be, they should have a lower standard for people who are potentially the victims. So if we talk about a subject of, of race, for example, you know, another great example, because if, if, um, in America, you know, there's, there's, there's this, the N word, as you'd know, in South Africa, we have uh, the K word. I'm not sure if you'd, you'd know that if you're, you know, uh, haven't really read up about South Africa's history. But as a white person, I have to be very sensitive to this. Um, but then, you know, we have we have this guy in South Africa called Steve Hofmeyer, who publicly defends the use of this word and says, you know, it's absolutely fine. And, you know, he motivates why there's not a problem with using it. But as a white person, you're not being called, you know, the K word. So as a white person, your point of departure, the context from which you speak, you should have a soft attitude that says, I'm going to be sensitive to this. Um, now, people don't like this because that means I have to do some work. I actually have to do something. You know, I have to actually think about other people. Wow, this is, you know, this is, <laughs> this, you know, I, 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 I find absolutely baffling that people think this way. Um, the, the term, the following term that's in my notes is political correctness. A friend of mine sent me a, a, a link of a, a, a program on um Netflix, I think it's called Explained, and the episode was on political correctness, and it's great. But when I watched this, you know, this had me thinking about this angle of approach, your point of departure, the context from which you speak, and these inverted double standards. Because, you know, Donald Trump made this statement, and he said, we're going to say Merry Christmas again. And, you know, at the rallies, you have thousands of people cheering. And I, I'm, you know, I just think to myself, okay, so let me get this straight. To some people, it is incredibly important to have to be able to say Merry Christmas rather than Happy Holidays because because it's harder to say Happy Holidays or they just don't want to be compassionate or create any space for any other culture or religion than their own. They just want to be able to say Merry Christmas and this is important. I find that very difficult to relate to. Uh, especially because Christmas is a pagan holiday. It's never been a Christian holiday. It was sort of co-opted into Christianity, you know. So it's uh, so ironic. But anyway, um, similar thing where people are saying, oh, you know, this political correctness, you don't know what to say, what's safe anymore, and what to call certain races, or, you know, what you're allowed to say. And But this is the thing is, if if you are not the person of color, then it really isn't that hard to just ask the question, you know, in a sensitive way. And people pick up on your, on the spirit you speak and you say, um, you know, can you tell me about your ethnic background? You know, what is your culture? What language do you speak at home? And these are, I think, more sensitive ways to ask the question. In South Africa, we have this, you know, I, I recently have been reading up on, on, on this uh, idea that, in South Africa, we have a group of people that is just in in the in the mainstream popular conversation. We refer to them as coloured people, and and it, it the, 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 like I say, the mainstream idea, which I've now realised is not the case, um, and I I didn't know this, was that you know you have white people, you have black people, and then sort of descendants of white and black people is coloured people, a sort of you know mixed race, but 
that's not the case. The, the, the ethnic history of colored people, which, you know, the, the whole term of colored people is now coming into question, um, is so much more complex and nuanced where there's all sorts of cultures that we are now uh, sort of, you know, putting on this, putting in this umbrella term of colored people. And for as a white person, then if I were to speak to someone who, like I say in, in the mainstream conversation, is being called a colored person, I'm not going to call them colored. I'm going to, I would ask them if I get the opportunity, tell me about your, your ethnic background. Tell me about your heritage. What language do you speak? You know, uh, tell me about your, your, uh, um, your parents and grandparents and so on. And allow them to give me the appropriate labels that they prefer rather than imposing labels and just having an attitude of, I don't care. Do you see this double standards thing? Whereas if someone were to say to me, hey, whitey, I'm not going to take that personal, you know, because I have a lower standard for other people. Again, if we had this approach in a popular, uh, uh, you know, in the narratives and conversations we're having, where I don't get offended when someone does something that isn't optimal, but I'm sensitive to other people, then if we all did that, I mean, you know, it would just be a completely different way of engaging. Now, I want to end and speak a little bit about double standards and this angle of approach applied to nonviolence. Nonviolence, to me, is such an amazing uh, idea to to read up on, you know, especially Martin Luther King and some of his incredible talks and sermons that he's done. But when we think of nonviolence, when I think of nonviolence, perhaps because of my background and my upbringing, I think of people who are oppressed, who are abused, who take in a posture that says we, we won't retaliate um, in a violent way. And what I've come to realize is that actually there are two sides to this coin. That is one part of it, but the other part of it, which I think is much, much more important, that we're not addressing, we're not defining, we're not talking about in the popular conversation, is the areas where we have power. So as an oppressed person, you have people who have power and they're using it over you in a way that is abusive. And your response then, you can choose to be violent or nonviolent in your response. Um, but the other side of the coin is, if I am someone who has power over someone else, how can I be nonviolent? So let me put it this way. I think the, the, the best way to explain it is if you think about a line manager as someone you work for, someone that that you report to that has tremendous social and economic power over you, then the question is, what would you expect of that person? And the, the first thing is you, you would want them to listen to you. You would want your line manager to really have a sincere interest to what you have to say, to how you see things, to your perspective, to your point of view, to listen to your frustrations and your problems and to really take it seriously in trying to help and empower you to to overcome those things. I mean, how many how many managers are actually like that? You know, uh, it's it's a rare thing. But it's it's one thing to say, okay, I expect that of someone else, 
well, the Bible says, do unto others as you want to be done unto. Um, how are we focusing on the relationships and the spheres where we do have some power? And how are we listening to others who do not have any power over us? So it starts with listening and and then it takes you know it's it's about understanding the other person's perspective um seeing the world through their eyes and 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 then making decisions about how you're going to use your power and your influence now that you've seen this perspective of 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 someone else you have power over i think all of us um would prefer to put the onus on someone else and say, well, there's someone more powerful. Well, there's always going to be someone more powerful than me, right? Someone who has more money, someone who has more social or political power um, in society who can do more than I can do. But that's not what I'm called to be responsible for. What I'm called to be responsible for is the influence that I do have. You know, there are millions of, I would say, billions of people on the planet who would look to me and say, Eugene, you have much more influence, much more power, much more privilege than I would ever have. And they have this expectation of me. Now, if you look at this in double standards, then I would go, yes, I'm going to put a high responsibility and requirement on myself to do something with the power that I do have, rather than try and look at people who have more power than I have and expect them to fix everything or look at people who have less power than me, who are under my influence, who maybe work for me, and expect them to respond in nonviolence to to my unfairness, <laughs> you know. And 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 what has blown my mind over the last couple of years, if if I as I start asking this question about what well, what power do I have? Well, I have power in my relationships. Yes, I have power in how I spend money. You know, if you think about what shops you support. Uh, where you buy, understanding the supply chain behind the products we purchase is so important because we are literally rewarding these companies with our purchases that we most of the time don't think about. You know, so that's that's one example. Not that I do it perfectly, but it's one example. Um, and when we begin to ask the question, well, what power do I actually have? And stop focusing on the power we don't have then we're taking responsibility and doing what we can. And that's all we can do. So I hope these ideas are succinct enough and clear enough that it makes sense. They're, they're, they're so simple that I think it's easy to miss, I think, how profound and world-changing they could be. But I want to challenge you that in your conversations with people to bring up this idea of inverted double standards, to bring up this, this concept of your, your angle of approach or your point of departure on a subject and how we speak to other groups that we're not a part of and, and, sort of, and sometimes can be judgmental instead of being gracious. And, and think about this idea of being nonviolent Yes, in our response to people who have power over us, but how are we being nonviolent and empathetic and compassionate to the people and the issues that we do have some power over? 
So I'd love to hear from you. If you have a look at our, our Facebook page for the Progressive Christian Podcast, you know, send us a message or um, it'd be great to hear from you. Take care.